giving you the real from A to Z surrounding the Dallas Cowboys. News, updates, rumors, transactions, takes, and more. So strap up, Cowboys Nation, and start your day off with A to Z Sports. Live with Will Steele. Three, two, one. Here we go! Welcome to Z Sports Live. We are streaming live on YouTube. And y'all know, of course, I am your host, Will. Skywalker Steel. Boom. Welcome in. It is Friday. Would say happy Friday, but it's not, it's not really. We are still doing the autopsy of this Cowboys team. And today, it's the defense, man. We flip the script over to the defense. We take a look at, we open up the body and explore potentially the afterlife of what may be, right? Like, we don't know what's going to happen. Maybe DQ returns. We'll discuss that. Maybe he does not. And that's the one I'm really going to focus on is the, the latter part. I've got five candidates, five of them. One, two, three, four, five. Uh, guys that I'm looking at, one in-house, obviously, that's the big one, and then uh, four candidates outside of the organization that the Cowboys could potentially, or I'm I'm looking at. I'm not saying they're going to be looking at them, but just some names though out there. There's a whole lot of them, but we'll break them down in depth, of course, and then uh, later on, or really the top of this hour, we'll have Patrick Nosey Walker on as well to discuss the Mike McCarthy presser that just went down, the return, just his thoughts as well on what happened in that game uh, on Sunday. So make sure y'all stick around for that. Uh, it should be another concise show, right? It, it shouldn't be too crazy here. I, I've got it all laid out for you guys, and then we'll talk to y'all uh, after the fact uh, for a little bit. It is Friday. We are still not feeling the greatest from that, that loss, so I, I'm not going to torture you too much. Um, But we'll take a listen to a couple of different analysts outside the Cowboys stratosphere, right, that had some words about the Cowboys defense. Some of the same things we have been saying for months and and some of these things predate the actual season starting. So, you know, sometimes the same things bite you in the butt. But let's go ahead and and hit this roundup real quick because Pat will be on in a few minutes. Not a long roundup. Essentially going to talk a little bit about what Mike said at the presser, and then we'll go into further detail with our guy, Patrick Nosey Walker. By the way, shout out to y'all, Bomb Squad. Appreciate you. Bomb Squad! All right, now, let's get into it. It's time! It's time! It's time! It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. It is time for. It's time for the morning roundup. Round them up, boys. Let me talk to you. Now, Dan Quitter was crazy. <laughs> Somebody, I, my bad. My apologies. I forget who it was yesterday. Said I'm not calling him Dan Quinn. Calling him Dan Quitter. <laughs> Come on, man, y'all deep. Anyway, Mike McCarthy. 
spoke at his presser yesterday. I mean, there, there a lot of things came out of that press conference in the sense of um, sound bites. One of the biggest sound bites was Jane Slater, which boy, the irony there. Jane Slater asking the question, "Why should the Cowboys be? Why should Cowboy fans, you know, believe in you?" And Mike kind of had this. I just think it was a piss poor answer. I'm just to be honest. <laughs> Wasn't a great answer, but that was the highlight probably of the presser. But um, he sat down with Jerry Jones for I believe three hours is what he said. And this was one of his quotes from the press in regards to that long meeting with Jerry. He said, we want the whole course. We want the whole course. We went back through things we left, uh, may have felt, have factored in. The disappointment component had a lot of layers to it. So we went through all of those layers. Then we talked about personnel and coaches and everything involved, business affairs. It was a long, productive meeting. I'm here to tell you right now. We don't care. Let me tell, right, let me tell you. Something. We don't care. <laughs> I know he's got to do this, but Mike. Yeah, I really don't care about your long, productive meeting with Jerry, man. We we know how this goes. Jerry is very complacent with with things and comfortable. He he likes comfortability. He's very comfortable. You know, but it is what it is. He had to come out there and talk to us, I guess. Now this broke yesterday. Not broke, but dropped yesterday on the show uh per reports if dan quinn is not given uh, or does not get one of these head coaching gigs he's set to return i you know look man i know they love dan quinn i know he's done some good things for the cowboys but there, there needs to be something has to go into this season different. However, as I return back here, I told you it's not a very long roundup. But that last part is kind of where I want to, you know, end the roundup with. And it's my hot take. I don't feel good about this one because I want to be completely wrong. I, look, when I do these, it's not because I'm trying to be wrong. But I do want to be wrong on this. Here's my hot take presented by Hattie Bees, y'all. Given the way that the season ended defensively in the playoffs, given how cute, you know, Dan Quinn has been trying to reinvent the wheel. I do think it could and will cost him a head coaching job. I could be totally wrong. He can get hired today. But that's the hot take for today. Thus, with the, the way it ended, potentially costing him a head coaching job, that will result in Dan Quinn returning to the Cowboys. When McCarthy was asked about Dan Quinn specifically, you know, if he does not get a head coaching job, do you see him returning or something along the lines? He said, Dan Quinn, quote, is highly valued, is a highly valued member of our coaching staff. It's it, the writing is on the wall, ladies and gentlemen. If he does not get one of these jobs, which he has a, an interview today with the Chargers, he's interviewed with Seattle and Washington. There's a lot of competition out there. Mike Vrabel and 
Bill Belichick and John Harbaugh and Slowick and Ben Johnson and it's a couple other guys out there too. Not the the greatest way to bow out of the season to get one. And if I'm a organization, the number one question I'm asking is, are, are you bringing the whole safety linebacker we're going to go light thing to the Cowboys or to, to this organization? Are you sticking with this cover one basic man defense with this organization? Because if so, I may go look at the hot shot guys elsewhere. So that's my hot take, Cowboys Nation, presented by Hattie B's. No conversation about the best Nashville-style hot chicken is complete without a serious mention of Hattie B's, which was founded in 2012 in Midtown Nashville. And now they have a new location. It's been there for about a year now. In downtown Dallas, Deep Ellum, that serves up the best hot chicken with varying levels of heat. Check it out. Use this, the link in the description, right, to sign up for your next order. Or, or, if you're feeling giving, if you want to help out and give some thanks and celebrate our amazing teachers around us for all their incredible work, you can also click on the link and nominate a teacher of the month. And Hattie Bees will provide lunch to up to 100 faculty members in that school. It's my hot take presented by Hattie Bees Hot Chicken. Now, let's go talk to our guy, Patrick Nosey Walker of DallasCowboys.com. In this edition of the scientific method. Good morning, Pat. What up, brother? I would say how you doing, man, but but I already know we're all still getting over this one. We we really didn't see this one coming like this. Yeah, I tell you what though, um, it's only nine o'clock over here. You already got me wanting some of Hattie B's hot chicken. <laughs> Hey, did you yeah, see the way you yeah, the yeah. way you sold that? Come on, like, man! Yeah, up, they need to up their little sponsorship dollars. You sold that, bro. Hey, yeah, hey, A to Z, Hattie B's. Y'all hear that? Y'all hear that now? Yeah, yeah. He's he, listen, listen, Hattie B's. Uh, my, my man, he he sold you. He sold that like uh, like Seth sold CM Punk's return <laughs> at Survivor Series. Like, yeah, he sold that. I want some Hattie B's, but no, nah, yeah, it's, the wounds are still raw, man, from Sunday, and the same applies for for every you know diehard Cowboys fan, and uh, and the same applies for you know the players and and the coaches and and you know as well. So, I mean, when you look at what happened on on Sunday, there's you know a lot of people say they ask me like you know no see what went wrong and can I pinpoint what went wrong and you know I think I, I put it best. And one of the replies, somebody said, well, you know, this is going to take you hours in the science lab to dissect. You don't have to dissect something whose guts are all over the floor, Bars. right? Like, you don't you don't have to dissect that. So if, if a deer gets hit by an 18-wheeler, you don't have to pull out the scalpel and dissect. All you have to do is stand there over it and just point at each one of the things, <laughs> right? So that's yeah. what happened on Sunday. I mean, the Cowboys, they they were not a professional football team on Sunday against the Packers. That's just bottom line. There was a failure on every single level by almost every single player. I mean, I can count on less than one hand the players that showed up 
and left it all on the field. Jake Ferguson being one. Yeah. Um, Tony Pollard played well. Michael Gallup played well. Um, it, you probably could throw in one more, two more tops, but you're not getting over five. And for a 53-man roster, 46, 48 guys dressing plus the coaches on the sideline. I mean, what was that? Like, what was that? Usually, when when something when you say something like that, hey man, a handful of players came to play well. I immediately start thinking, well, what went into this preparation, right? Like, like it's right, it's one right. thing if you get a handful of players that didn't play well, <laughs> but a handful of players that did. I say now, okay, when whole units and, 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 and whole game plans are just all out of whack, I, I then turn to, well, what the hell did you guys do leading up into this game? Because to me, it came out, it, it just seemed like they were discombobulated from the jump. You know what? What's interesting is if you go back and you look at the game, Will, they they actually weren't until they were. Let me let me explain what I mean by that. Okay. The the Packers they win the coin toss. They choose to, to accept the ball. You know, first thing right out of the gate, who makes a play? Demarcus Lawrence. Everybody's clapping. Here we go. It's time to cook. Time to cook. And then a couple of mistakes, a couple of penalties later, you you get the uh, the illegal. Downfield penalty on Deron Bland extends the play. And it's like, okay, all right. And then Jordan Love pushes down the field, and now you finally get them in a third down situation. You can probably force them into a field goal situation, which would be a, a win considering everything that happened on that drive. And the same person who burst out of the gate is the same person who got you the offside penalty that then made it half the distance to the goal, and then they scored on the, on the very next play. And then from there, it seemed like the defensive mentality was broken. And then you flip to the offensive side of the ball. When you saw that Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb, that connection was ice cold. You know, you talk about the, the inside slant over the middle drop. You talk about, you know, some of the miscues between them on the outside routes. CeeDee runs the inside, Dak throws the out. Uh, you talk about what happened with – and I, I will say – you know what, I'm not going to say it. It doesn't matter because the rush didn't blow this game. But the interception to Cooks, that goes through Cooks' hands. We know why it went through. should have been a DPI. wasn't a DPI. But all of those things go to my greater point in that because everything started going wrong for the offense on their first drive and then their second drive, they mentally started to break down. So that's, that's more so what I saw on Sunday was this cascade of mental breakdowns and demoralizations that then turned into me basically watching a team that wasn't any more organized and any more communicative on the field in real time than a local Pop Warner team. You're talking about guys blowing coverages that you wouldn't blow coverage in high school, right? You're talking about guys, you know, taking the inside on a on a on an option route without cover without yeah without safety help over the top which would then allow a guy like Romeo Dobbs to just break out on the deep fade off the right seam and get a 45, 50-yard play. And then you look at the film and you're like, wait a minute, was that, was that 21? That yeah. was Stephon Gilmore? Happened twice. That wasn't Sean Wright. Right, that wasn't the Sean Wright. That wasn't you know a rookie late-round pick in Eric Stokes. That was the former <laughs> NFL Defensive Player of the Year who has been one of your best cornerbacks for the entire season. So when you see stuff like that happening – you just sit back and you say, you know what, this team, this team is so unserious today. And yeah, that goes to the players, but it also goes to the coaching as well. And, and, and speaking of the coaching, 
I, I went into this game saying, you know, th- there's just no way we're going to be really talking about anybody's job unless one thing happens. And that one thing just felt so far fetched that I, I you'll love this analogy. I, I pretty much compared it to when Dr. Strange was going into the future and they asked him, well, how many you know, what did you see? 14 million different <laughs> ways. And he says, well, how many times did we win? He said one. And I'm like. There's only one way that McCarthy could come out of this with his job question, and that's by getting absolutely embarrassed. And it happened, Pat. And yeah, now the conversation dude. had to be had. I'm sorry, Pat. It did. So I'm I'm just sitting here thinking I don't know how he survives this, but he did. What are you, What are your thoughts about McCarthy returning? Granted, knowing you know where you're at and whatnot, but what are your What are your thoughts about him returning? Oh and man, surprise come on. You? Yeah. Oh. I'm gonna give it what I'm gonna give it just like I just gave it about the game analysis. It doesn't matter um, what my yeah. outfit is yeah. that I'm wearing as far as who I work for. You you're gonna get me all the time, and and when you're doing great, you're gonna get the praise, and when you're not doing great, you're gonna get the the respectful criticism. And when you absolutely implode and have a, a historic meltdown on Sunday, you got to get what comes with that. I get that work. Um, man. So when it comes. To, yeah, you got you got to. I mean, you got to stand in front of the train, uh, just like you'd be willing to stand in front of the commissioner and get the Lombardi Trophy if you had earned it. If you don't earn it, you got to get the train that comes with it. Um, so when it comes to Mike McCarthy, I mean, that was a failure on his part on Sunday. It was a failure on the the part of his assistant and positional coaches, most of them anyway. Um, Luna Wells, I'm not talking to you because Jake Ferguson, I see you. Um, but when you talk about McCarthy's um, hot seat status we talked about it going into the game and that analogy could not have been more perfect because that is exactly what I've been saying. That is exactly how I felt. But then it happened and you're like, Whoa, wait a minute. (laughs) You're like, hold up. Wait a minute. Let me put some bass in it. Um, So here's where we are. McCarthy is sticking around. I'm not surprised if they had chosen to depart uh, part ways with him, I wouldn't have been surprised. Fans that are outraged about McCarthy staying, I get it. I feel you. I, and I know because I know why you are, mm-hmm. right? There's no way to not be furious about what happened on Sunday. There's no way to easily move past that with this current head coach and say the head coach that just allowed what happened on Sunday is the one that's going to get us to the promised land. I 100% understand that. From Jerry Jones' perspective, I understand why he chose to keep him. See, this is this is what the problem was, Will. I said this on Cowboys break uh, a couple of times this week in that the problem is is the fashion in which they got defeated, to whom they lost, where they lost, mm-hmm. the magnitude of the game, all these storylines, those are fireable offenses. Yes. But, but it's also true that this guy's got you 36 wins in the past three seasons. He has the highest regular season winning percentage of any head coach in Cowboys franchise history. He's gotten you two division titles in the past three seasons. He's fought through uh, adversity, such as losing uh, a record-setting cornerback in Trevon Diggs and a starter in Leighton Vanderesh, and they were able to still keep it going. They chose to move on from Zeke. Running game wasn't fantastic, wasn't poor. We'll get to that in a second, though. Um, And... He was able to, in his first year back as an offensive play caller, he turned the Cowboys offense into the number one um, offense in the entire league. May C.D. Lamb, a historic wide receiver, put Dak Prescott right up against Lamar Jackson as front runner for the MVP candidate. 
So you had just as many reasons to keep him around as you almost did to let him go. So honestly, still, no matter which direction they chose to go, you could make the argument for both, and that's what made this week so freaking challenging. Because also, and I'll say this, and I'll, I'll throw it back to you, I get people looking at the, the romantic names like a Bill Belichick. I was, I was out on Bill Belichick. No matter what the Cowboys did with Mike McCarthy, count me out on Belichick because he's not bringing Tom Brady with him. <laughs> so Belichick without Brady is, is Mac Jones. So no thank you. Um, Mike Vrabel, I would love him. If Dan Quinn leaves, I would love him in consideration for a defensive coordinator along with maybe a couple of guys that are in the building, Al Harris, Joe Witt Jr., um, but I wouldn't want Mike Vrabel as my head coach. Why, Pat, would you not want Mike Vrabel? Look what he did with Tennessee. Okay, to that I say this. Did you have fun watching Dak Prescott torch defenses with the aerial attack? You're not getting any of that with Mike Vrabel, my friend. Uh, you're going back to the Jason Garrett and Scott Linehan era. Run, 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 maybe we'll pass. Run, run, maybe we'll pass. I'm out on that. Um, so, that also had to weigh into the decision as well. If you part ways with McCarthy, where are you going? Um, and Belichick's probably going to end up in Atlanta anyway. He's on his second interview. So all of this comes into play. And, you know, here we stand after Jerry Jones has weighed it all. And it's Mike McCarthy for 2024. Yeah, he, he's returning. And, 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 you know, I'm on the, the other side of I was looking forward to possibly making a move there. I thought they should have because, of, like you said, just the magnitude of everything. But he's here, right? So I also discussed what needs to happen to be better in season five because Mike McCarthy is returning. And I laid out some of my things, you know, some offensive things, running and whatnot. What do you think needs to happen with Mike returning in his fifth season, which feels like it'll be a lame duck season? Uh, but what needs to happen to have a more successful postseason run? Well, here's the thing about, about lame duck, all right? Jason Garrett's last season was a lame duck season. Um, and the reason I hesitate to say that this one is a lame duck season for McCarthy is because, man, McCarthy can coach circles around Jason Garrett, regardless of what happened on Sunday. I think we all can agree that McCarthy can coach yeah. circles around Jason Garrett. Um, so that me saying that goes to my thought process of, I think that Jerry Jones and the Cowboys split the difference. They said, okay, we're not going to fire you because you've done so much good, like a ridiculous amount of good in the, the regular seasons, and you even advanced last year in the playoffs. So we see that there's something there. But then on the other side of it, they're saying, well, you also didn't take a step forward this year. As a matter of fact, you fell off the planet this year in the wild card game. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to extend you. We'll keep you, but we're not going to extend you. Go prove it. So I, I look at this coming season less as a lame duck and more as a prove-it season because if it was Jason Garrett, I'd say this is lame duck because you've seen Garrett for 10 years and you know how this story ends, right? We haven't seen McCarthy for 10 years, so we don't necessarily know how the story ends. We just know how the story just ended and how it ended freaking sucks. Yeah. So all you can do is hope that it improves next year, but um, I want to see McCarthy in a prove-it season. We've, we've, we've seen Jason Garrett improve it years. And eventually it's just like he can't prove a damn thing. Now it's just lame duck, lame duck, get him out of here. When it comes to Mike McCarthy, this is his first prove-it year. So he has to treat it like a player. He has to treat it like a player who doesn't – there is no tomorrow. you got to go in there. you got to win it all now because anything short of winning it all in 2024 
is not going to get you a contract extension, and Cowboys fans are going to, who want him gone are going to get what they want anyway. It's only 12 months away, 13 months away from your future being decided with the Cowboys. So, But the biggest thing is, first of all, penalties. And that goes to McCarthy, his coaching staff, penalties. you you got to coach these penalties out of these players. Um, your road record was was not great, and that largely impacted several things over the course of the season. Um, it's because you were the most penalized team in the league, and a lot of those penalties and the type and timing of them happen on the road. You can't have that. Second of all, fix your run game. It's not completely broken, but it is not the same. It is not the Zeke-Pollard combo, and that's not a knock to Tony because Tony did get 1,000 yards, and he averaged, I think, 4.1, 4.2. This is respectable, but it wasn't great, but it wasn't poor. Like I said, Will, in a couple, two or three weeks ago in Science Lab, I said the problem with the run game is it's too middling. It's too par. It's too average. It's not changing games. Rico also had a great season as well. But both of those guys are unrestricted free agents. Mm. Running back room might look different. Yeah. Deuce Vaughn experiment didn't go well. Hunter Lipke got in, finally got the ball, then got fumbled, then got into the doghouse, never got out of the doghouse. Fix your running game. Offensive line, your talent is there when they're completely healthy. You're going to have to address that uh, in the draft anyway. I don't know if you need to go in the first round. That's a draft conversation because Brock Hoffman looks good. T.J. Bass is an absolute gamer. Tyler Smith is Tyler Smith. Um, but what about the coaching for your offensive line when it comes to your run scheme? Because the run scheme that you were running from your protection standpoint didn't necessarily jive with what Tony Pollard and Rico Dowdle were consistently doing well. McCarthy's set to meet with his assistant coaches late next week. Let's see who stays and who goes. Because one thing about McCarthy is we'll know he'll replace some coaches below yeah. him. I'm Mike Nolan. Hi, Joe Philbin. <laughs> right? He'll get some guys out of there and get some other guys in. So um, those are my two main things, penalties, fix the run game, and, and let's see what he does with his, his assistant coaching staff. But also, like we both know, DQ's decision looms large. Mm -hmm. And uh, whether he stays or goes is going to – have a nuclear impact on what that defense looks like. 100%. And I'm actually going to attack that here when we're finished. But you, you said something that I just can't get away from um, that, look, it makes a lot of sense in the sense of, look, McCarthy is a show-me year. It, 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 should it be an all-in year then for the front office? And that's – this is a, a, such a discussion that we could have for a whole other day. But if we had some type of accountability – above McCarthy where they also were in a show me year they'll get fired if they don't do it maybe then it could be an all-in like we're going to go out here we'll make these trades we'll, we'll sign these top players we'll do everything in our power to make sure that this this lame duck right air quote year is given the best opportunity to win a Super Bowl if I'm McCarthy why not go to them and say look if we're not getting an extension then let's put all the chips in the middle of the table uh, Pat you have to. If you're Mike, you absolutely have to. If I'm Mike, I'm going in there in that same meeting, that three-hour meeting that he had with Jerry Jones this week. And one of the things I would have said after Jerry made his decision and said, "Okay, we're going to, you know, we're going to run this back and and uh, keep you on," I would have said, "Okay, I appreciate the vote of confidence. Now let me tell you exactly what I need to happen if mm -hmm. I'm not getting the contract extension. What I need to happen is I need you guys to go crazy in free agency." That's what I need you to do. I need these things to happen. I need these players to get their money so that they're not focused on this. And this. I need all of these things to happen 100% with you right there still because um, much like McCarthy moved on from Kellen Moore to put himself in position wherein if I'm going to get fired, I'm going to get fired because I got myself fired, not yeah. because my offensive coordinator got myself fired. Same mindset. 
going into this one, okay, go to them and say, hey, I know you got to get this, you know, this back extension done, and it's coming, folks, whether you like it or not, it's coming. we got to get CeeDee Lamb done. we got to start talking to Michael Parsons. We have 16 free agents, one of which being Dorrance Armstrong, one of your best pass rushers and run stoppers, and the list goes on and on. Certain things need to be done, but in-house. And while you're handling business in-house, you need to be looking outside of the building because NFL free agency is going to have an influx of very, very talented veteran talent that you need to get in on um, to just help take this team over the top. Because at this point in this coming season, either this team goes over the top or that's it. Yeah, there, there, gonna, there is no other side. You're going to be talking. Uh, you're going to be talking to another head coach in 2025. Yep. So all in, all in. A, a lot of times people say Super Bowl or bust, and it's always true here. But it's it's almost never been as true as it is right now for Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys. So we'll see. Like I said, Mike is here. I could see why people would be upset. I feel you. I could see why people are happy that he's still here. I feel that too, and that's the problem. He's given us enough to cheer about, but not a, but also enough to be angry about. And it's time to turn the page. It's time to get over that hump, Cowboys, because uh, fans are tired. And um, yeah, wake up, wake up and handle your business. Vecna, wake up, man. As Patrick Nosey Walker of DallasCowboys.com, I appreciate you always. This year has been, man, it's, it's been fantastic. This is our first year doing this, and I, I think it went. Amazing, bro, and I look forward to to year two, bro. No, oh, man, we had a blast, and, and to end it on some Hattie B's hot chicken. I mean, you got <laughs> me, you got me. Go go cook, bro. I talk to you soon. Appreciate you, big dog. That is Patrick Dosey Walker, DallasCowboys.com. Hey, I'm 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 clipping that, sending that to Zach. See that right there? Yeah, man, up my sponsorship. Nah, uh. He ended that low-key on the DQ thing, but I came back because as he was talking about the last year, Mike McCarthy, and, and, and I wrote down all in. I really want to get his thoughts on this because I don't know how much they talk about on .com. It doesn't really ring. It doesn't really <clears throat> come to my head, but we talk about it a lot here, at, at least on this channel. Uh, I've brought it up as well on Vodge's channel over the years um, where, <laughs> dude, I'm putting all the chips in the center of the table. I've, I've watched too many teams approach it this way uh, over the last you know five to ten years and have success. And if you don't, then, hey, you know, you start over. But, you know, dipping your toes in it, we were talking about it a few weeks ago, just just dipping your toes in that thing ain't going to work. Uh, not the way this is currently constructed. I've, I've been saying that for, for years. This, this thing is not constructed in the same manner as any other franchise in probably sports. So you've got to operate a, a little differently. And uh, we, we we don't, you know, so thought it was interesting. Anyway, we um, we are about to turn the page to this Cowboys defense. We're going to break it down a little bit here um, and talk about this Dan Quinn situation and mostly about him leaving. I'm, st- I'm still, I know my hot take was my hot take, right? Like he'll be returning. It's part of me, though, that I hope that's not true. And that's the part I'm going to attack, like. DQ not being here. And it's look, Dan Quinn, we love what you did. 2020 was a disaster. You came in, you helped turn this thing around. But clearly, we got a little bit too cute. That that locker room stopped really believing 
And it's just, you know, it's time for, we can't change the head coach. Got to change something else. Uh, so let's take a quick little break and we'll come right back and we'll jump into this defense. You're listening to A to Z Sports. Do it live! At some point, hoping to broadcast in front of the millions of Cowboys fans to bring you the real. But for now, strap up and <laughs> here's your host, Skywalker Steel. I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. We'll do it live. Dro, that's crazy. I, I don't. That's funny though. He said I, I blame Dan Quinn for trying to convert Mozzie into a corner. Mozzie was trying to be a linebacker. Um, I won't have too much fun at Mozzie's ex- expense. I do think there were just things out of coach's control. That's a lot of weight to lose. No one has really answered that question. I think part of it may have been them trying to get him in better shape. Another part of it may have just been. You know, things he, he's going through or whatever, and just normal. You lose weight during the season. That's why when we were talking about uh, me and uh, PT, Philip Tanner, former Dallas Cowboy, we were talking about, uh, who was it? Marquise Bell. We were talking about Marquise Bell, and he said something along the lines of, well, if he's listed at 205, 210, whatever it is, he's likely around 200 because you do lose some weight during the regular season. You don't really keep all that off-season peanut butter on all the time. Um, same thing happened with Jake Ferguson. Jake Ferguson in year one put on a little bit of weight, and then he got all the way down, I think he says, somewhere around 230, 235, and he had to learn how to change his diet to be able to keep that weight on. Speaking of Marquise Bell, look, I, I'm not here to slander Marquise Bell because from the rip, When he was moved to linebacker, it was like, oh, for me at least. Okay, I mean, that's a that's a small guy. Let's see what happens. And he was making some plays and things like that. And it was just like, okay, eventually the other side will happen. Eventually the inexperience and, and the, the, the size factor, what happens when that comes to play? And boom, it was pretty damn early in the season. It was like, oh, this is this is cute. This is fun. But we aren't really going to do this throughout the whole season, right? Nah, Scott, we're going to go get Rashad Evans because LVE went down. We stop in there? Probably shouldn't stop there. We stopped there, right? But all this really dates back to the offseason. If you go back to the shows back in right, probably around this time, February, March, I don't know, linebacker kept volleyballing to me between one and two of top draft needs because the draft was after free agency it was already a fr- i was giving you guys free agency guys that i wanted they brought back lve i said well okay brought back lve cannot rely on lve i don't know why you would do that lve is not shown you to be reliable i don't care how good he may have been to a lot of people although i think he was he was solid but not reliable so go draft a guy didn't happen. Okay. Well, we're for surely we're going to go into the uh, you know regular season with our guys. Yeah, we're going to go five deep with our guys. Oh, cut Devin Harper. Cut Jabril Cox. I'm even saying these guys are the answers, but you cut linebackers. Devin Harper, Jabril Cox, and you went into the season. Marvin Overshawn got hurt, and you went into the season with LVE, 
and Damone Clark as your linebackers. Damone Clark essentially a damn rookie. An LVE, an injury-prone guy. Don't like that. Let's see what happens. And almost immediately, LVE gets hurt. And we decide to move, or not Jabril, we decide to move Bell down. And look, man, I don't know how much more film we had to put on here. We bring a Koye on. We're talking about it. It, it it was it was it was all it was all cute for a little bit but in reality it wasn't something that you could continue to do right and draft or uh, trade deadline comes around we don't make a move we, you, Rashawn Evans might not have been nothing anyway but you don't really give that opportunity you don't go out and try to you know keep adding okay it didn't work you fake rolled the red carpet out I guess for Shaq Leonard yeah maybe Shaq Leonard's not the old Shaq Leonard but damn it don't think this would have happened to him. And the this I'm talking about is this is Brian Baldinger uh, basically breaking down a handful of these snaps. If you didn't see the film, go force yourself to watch it. It, it was an embarrassment on that side of the ball. But here's here's Baldy having the same questions that we have, having the same questions that we were asking for months here. The Cowboys had a long talk with Mike McCarthy today. If you believe the reports, it could have been as long as three hours. They went through everything. So I was wondering what in the world their fascination is with Marquise Bell playing linebacker. Like, what is it? Because here comes Rasheed Walker. And this is what they do to middle linebackers that are 205 pounds in this league. Like, you just wash them up. Play after. Why is he there on a goal line? With that back. With that back. One of the elite backs in the league. What do they think Marquise Bell is going to do? Like, how can they think? Like, he's going to get exactly what he is. He's going to get mangled right there. He's not going to stop anybody. He's 205 pounds. Like, how in the world could you look at this and go, this is a good goal line defense. I like this. We'll put Hank on the nose, and we'll let Marquise Bell. Like, what do you think is going to happen? Of course he's going to score. He's going to score every time he, he gets the ball. Like, now you put J. Ron Curse up there. Here's your inside linebackers. Two safeties playing linebacker. What do you think the Packers are going to do? Like, look at this. Like, they're just washing these guys up. Donovan Wilson's got to make the tackle nine yards down the field. It's just amazing to me that you could stay in this defense with a team that runs the ball as well as the Packers with an elite back. What do you think is going to happen to Marquise right here? It's not his fault. Like, that's not his position. Of course he's going to end up on his belt. You watch these plays. Now their, their answer is, okay, we'll go blitz Micah in the A gap here. But we'll cover it right here. Like, this isn't, like, I don't know where he's going. He's not a middle linebacker. Like, you're just going to jump out of the whole watch curse. Left. Like, crying. All these guys are getting blocked and thumped. And there goes Aaron Rodgers, or Aaron Jones. Like, I just don't know how you could look at that and look at these pictures and videos and everything you have and go, this is a good defense to get a team that can run the ball as well as they do with the back that has run for more yards in the last month than any back in the National Football League. Baldy, welcome to the party, man. Welcome, sir. It is not it's not a fun party either. You know? I, I really I, I don't understand why 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 Dan decided to roll with this for so long. And and again, you know, talking to Pat. I talked about how I think the plan and the way you came out as the head coach and as a play caller, it was a fireable offense. This was a fireable offense. 
He won't be. He won't be. Either he'll walk, so you know he won't be held accountable, or he'll be brought back. Apparently, is what it's looking like. And early on in that game, we noticed the Cowboys shift in defensive philosophy. I was like, why are we why are we playing in this this, this weird zone? What's, what's going on, right? And um, I think it was Greg Cosell who also noticed this as well. And then obviously the numbers come out, the tape comes out and whatnot. Uh, this is just Greg Cosell. This is real quick. Uh, him basically explaining that we came out and obviously did things differently than we usually do. Dallas, for instance, when they played Green Bay, Dallas had been the number one team in the NFL percentage-wise in playing cover one. That's man coverage with a single high safety. Well, Dan Quinn and staff clearly felt that they could not do that against the Packers. Dallas, for instance, when they played Green know Bay, Dallas... Get out of there, get out of there. So, yes, we are. We understand that we are the cover one defense man, et cetera, et cetera. Granted, Dallas got the ass whooped in man too. <laughs> so it wasn't like, you know, man was helping. But they did come out in this soft zone. And when Greg Cosell said that, once again, my wheels start spinning, just like they were spinning in regards to Mike McCarthy. Now, I didn't, I didn't go back. I didn't have enough time to really go back, take a look at the numbers and things like that. I'm just kind of going off of what I remember. Um, if you guys recall against San Fran, Dallas played a lot of zone early in that game. Now, it it wasn't as big of a detriment, and I think they played a lot longer in that game. When I say a detriment, it wasn't as big of a detriment early. Early, it, it was it seemed like it might have been working a bit. Uh, but then once once Shanahan, who made an adjustment, made the adjustment, it just got plucked. Anyway. So I was thinking, all right, you know, did that against Shanahan. I, Buffalo, we come out with that same small-ass set. Buffalo just like, hey, this is a monsoon. We don't need to run the ball a lot. Not saying he did a bunch of zone, but he came out in a bunch of six DBs and all this and all that and got worked. The Cardinals game, saw the miscommunication, granted, early in the season. But when they decided to play that cover three, there was miscommunication. Gilmore just got here. Uh, Jordan Lewis is just returning. There was miscommunication in their responsibilities. And I'm, I'm thinking about it. Cardinals offensive coordinator does a lot of similar things. San Fran, obviously that tree. Uh, uh, Buffalo, yeah. McDaniels played much better in that game till the end. They got ran on. And then LaFleur, who ran circles around Dan Quinn, the dude just does not have an answer. And we were saying this throughout the season. For really, not just good offensive coordinators, but in reality, competent ones. The The best they played against, in my opinion, a good offensive coordinator slash scheme was the Rams. And, and I gave them a hell of a lot of credit for that early in the season. That was probably, and I don't count Philly, even though Philly, in Philly, put up 28 points on you, and you didn't turn the ball over offensively, so that means they were marching up and down the field. So and that's a shitty offensive coordinator. But that was the best one. Ironically, I was joking, saying I would have kind of wanted the Rams because I thought he had their number. I did not think this would happen, though. I, I didn't think this would happen against the Packers. But it did. And just like McCarthy, if I believed that was a fireable offense, I believe that performance by you, Dan Quinn, was a fireable offense. I, I, can't, I can't bring you back with that, especially when you go look at the details of how you decide to do things at the linebacker position, you were not. It's so funny for a 
for a versatile traits type guy i want you to be able to do all these things we weren't a multiple defense we ran like three plays man and we told our defensive line to have the they had the authority to do stunts whenever they wanted to which always look weird at times i think you need a you need more structure so if Dan Quinn leaves, we got to talk about potential candidates. The, And then we're going to talk about some candidates in-house, some candidates outside. But first, we're going to talk about, in my opinion, the number one candidate in-house. And I know a lot of people would think it's Al Harris. I don't think that's the case. Should should he maybe get a defensive coordinator review or interview? Sure, I'd have no problem with that. Does he, is he deserving of you know, climbing the ladder? I have no problem with that. But I'm telling you, it is Joe Witt is the is the in-house candidate, Joe Witt Jr. From a resume standpoint and from a been around with McCarthy standpoint. Will the guys in the locker room want Joe Witt? I, I don't know. But at this point in time, I'm I'm beyond what do these guys want? It's about what they need. So I want to talk about Joe Witt for a little bit, Cowboys Nation. There's there was a belief that oh well if Dan Quinn leaves he takes Joe Witt he's not a Dan Quinn guy he's a guy that's been around with McCarthy in fact he was one of McCarthy's longest tenured assistant coaches in Green Bay he coached there with McCarthy for 11 seasons and then he returned in 2021 so now that makes it 14 seasons that Joe Witt has been with Mike McCarthy interestingly enough he interviewed for the defensive coordinator job in 2021. They decided to go with McCarthy. So he's been coaching defensive backs for a long time since he's entered the league. And when he's become a defensive backs coach, there's a tendency to see that the team's interception percentage go up or opposing teams interception percentage go up when Joe Witt Jr. is running the defensive backfield. Top 10 10 different times in the last 15 years. Um, this graphic was actually from a few years ago, so it doesn't even count 2023, which they were 7th, and 2022, which they were 11th, in the opponent interception percentage thrown under Joe Witt Jr. So, you know, he has the resume. He has the relationship with uh, Mike McCarthy. And if you, if you are going into this as a lame duck contract, it can be a little difficult to get somebody outside to come in not knowing if there's job security after the season. So Joe Witt would seem to be the next man up. Here's my twist, though. I'm going to throw a little curveball at you guys if Joe Witt would be the guy as my in-house candidate. It would be Joe Witt, but with Dom Capers as the senior advisor. For those who are not familiar with Don Capers, not everybody is. He's not a, he's not Dick LeBeau, even though I kind of put him in that category a bit. But Don Capers, former defensive coordinator, also head coach in the league, won a Super Bowl with Mike McCarthy, had a really good run in Green Bay as a defensive coordinator, also a 3-4 defensive coordinator, who also had Joe Witt Jr. under his tutelage. Now, he's been a senior defense assistant for the last five years 
with five different teams. So he's kind of just been bouncing around. He's too old to really be a defensive coordinator. He doesn't probably want to deal with that. But he's been a defensive advisor and assistant, the senior defensive assistant. And if you are looking to go more 3-4, Capers is a 3-4 guy. Joe Witt has been under a 3-4 defense. If you need a little bit more of assistance of, hey, we're going to go 3-4, we kind of need to change personnel a bit, Capers would be the perfect dude to assist Joe Witt in that. So if I'm going to go with Joe Witt, again, this is what I'm thinking. I'm picking up that phone. I'm calling Dom and I'm saying, hey, man, want to come over here? Try to get the old band back together. Well, Scott, what has Dom Capers been doing? Like I said, he's been a senior defense assistant for the last five years. His most recent stint, the Carolina Panthers. This past season also runs a 3-4. And the Panthers finished in the top 10 in yards per game. And they were a respectable defense given the situation on the offensive side of the ball. So it's not like you're just bringing in a guy that's you know, been terrible or something like that. He He's helped their young defensive coordinator who now is getting head coaching opportunities now. And I think Witt is ready. Um, a couple years ago, they talked to him about, I think this was the Dubai week or something like that. They were asking him about uh, head coaching opportunities. And I just remember this interview. I had a whole video of Joe Witt years ago on the Dallas Cowboys network channel for the OGs here, but I must've deleted it when switching and all that. So I couldn't find it, but I did find um, this video of Joe Witt basically talking about, man, I'm ready. I've been ready. I just have to wait my opportunity to come, but um, take a listen. Not head coaching interviews. No, no. Is that something you would like to do down the line? Yes. Yes. No question. Uh, I've had coordinator interviews. Um, <laughs> I interview here, <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, I'm 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 ready to, to to call the plays, and 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 I think a lot of people know that. But my dad always told me this: you do the best job with the job that you have, and your next opportunity will come. And so I'm not worried about it. Uh, when that time comes, I'm ready. Um, when the time for me to be a head coach comes, I'll be ready. I'm just trying to do the best job as as secondary coach here at Dallas Cowboys and let us win games and and cut some of these explosive passes down. That's that's where my focus is right now. Witt's a no-nonsense guy too, man. Um, I remember when I put together that video package, I've been like 2021, and I went and I looked at interviews he did. I mean, multiple. I probably looked through at least you know seven or eight interviews he did in 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 Green Bay. He did with Cleveland. He did with Atlanta. Interesting. He was he was in Atlanta in that 2020 year. <clears throat> but I was just listening to him and and he admitted. He is like, hey man, I know these these players, they hate me sometimes. They don't like me. Cause I'm on their ass. Pause, right? But but I'm on them, right? I'm not, I'm not here to be anybody's friend. I think he might even have said that. And man, they might need that. Now he comes from a different era, and I get it, but this organization may need some of that throughout that locker room or that coaching room. So I think Joe Witt would be the, the first man up. I'll probably might even get an interview, um, but I would imagine if, if, if Dan Quinn moves along, Joe Witt would be the guy that would be most comfortable for Mike McCarthy if he believes he's ready, which I think Joe's probably like, hey, man, I've been doing this for 
15, 16, 17, whatever it's been, I'm ready. Um, and to help him with that, I would call Dom. Dom is, it's not like Dom is like, I'm settled down in one area. He's literally been on five different teams in the last five years as a defensive assistant. So I don't think it'd be hard to, hey, I want a Super Bowl with you, Dom. Come through. So I don't think that'd be hard. That That's how I would attack it um, with Joe Witt if he's the guy. Now I'm going to give you some candidates outside of Dallas. These are just four uh, candidates that I did some research on, I, I, you know, thought through. Some of these are, well, maybe one of them. I guess if you if you watch the league, a couple of them are big names. Um, there's pros and cons to both, and I want to talk about that with y'all. All right, the first one, a little biased, a little, a little bit. I'm a fan of Wink. And all jokes aside, there is there is some there is some pros, obviously, but there's some cons that come with Wink. He's he's a Wink is something else. But Wink Martindale, former Baltimore and New York Giant defensive coordinator. In Baltimore, he led one of the best defenses during his tenure there, came to New York, made them a better defense last year, but this year not a good defense. Um they just didn't have the dudes over there and that could be the problem but here's here's wink right known for his aggression three four defensive coach if you're looking for three four this is this is one of wink's quotes that just man this capulates who he is he says quote you want to dictate to the offense instead of sitting there and letting them dictate to you i think that this is a game of adjustments and matchups and everything else but i would rather them have the headache and stay up five nights before we play them trying to figure out what we're going to do. And when we try to present different looks every time we play because pressure doesn't break pipes that or pressure breaks pipes. That's our philosophy. He says, if you have a quarterback, if you have a great quarterback, you want him to make quick decisions. If you have an average quarterback, you want him to change up. You want to change up your looks coverage wise and everything else. But at the end of the day, you want the quarterback on his back. I don't care if he throws it or not. But if you get quarterback hits, they know who they're playing against. Who Wink, man. Again, a little bias here. Because Wink is a wild boy. But he's had success in this league. Another no-nonsense guy that, you know, players do love to play for, though, because he tries to put them in the best position, right? And when I think about players and Wink, I think about, like, a Donovan Wilson. I feel like he'd be a guy he'd use as a weapon. He'd be blitzing a whole lot more. Back to the what Donald was doing, what made Donald pretty special was he was one of the best blitzing, you know, safeties, and you didn't know if he was blitzing or not. I think he'd also move Michael around all over that second level. This would be a 3-4 defense, so he'd be probably an outside linebacker, and he'd move around, or if he puts him inside, he'd move around. But I know Wink would move him around is what I'm getting at. He's also a heavy man guy, so that wouldn't necessarily be a culture shock to these players. He plays a ton of man. Um, the downside, though, is if you don't have the dudes, you can get got. And you saw that in New York. He had fantastic bliss packages. He had fantastic disguises and um, simulated pressures. When you don't got the dudes, you can get worked. And he lost the Julian Loves and, and, and the guys that he had in 2022 that made the defense respectable. Uh, last year was not. But from a coordinator standpoint, scheme standpoint, uh, I don't. I think he would be one of the few that would come in on a lame duck and say, "Hey, man, one year let's try to make it work. 
I'll use this as a, another year to rebuild my resume because that is something that is going to be difficult to get a guy outside. Also under Wink Martindale, Dexter Lawrence became an All-Pro. His two seasons, the very first year, Dexter Lawrence was the best interior defensive lineman in the league, or at least nose tackle in the league. Followed that up with another exceptional year in the second season. So, you know, he got the best out of some of his guys or his top end type of guys. So, Wink Martindale, that's the first one. The second one, Denard Wilson, defensive backs coach in Baltimore. Um, 12 years he's been a coach, nine years as a DB's coach in the league. If there's a Philly fan watching this, they're probably like, Denard, it's my guy. We miss him. Yeah, I bet you y'all do miss him because when he was with the Philadelphia Eagles last year, they had the number one pass defense. He left, and they've one of the worst pass defenses in the league. So he goes to Baltimore, and he's a part of one of the most historic defenses of the 2010s, statistically. That's an, an amazing defense over there under Mike McDonald. Now, he's been on the radar for a few years now, so he's getting head coaching opportunities right now. Um, I don't know if a team will hire him as a head coach, but he hasn't been a D.C. yet. So I'm looking at it like, hey, if he's willing to come here, I get it lamed up. I'll take somebody off of that Baltimore tree or somebody that has shown uh, the ability to get the best out of their secondary. I don't I don't know what his thoughts would be, you know, in front of those guys, but he comes also from a 3-4 team in Baltimore, so he would have some experience with that. Not to mention, they ran a 3-4 when he was a part of the Jets staff for three seasons under Todd Bowles. So if you wanted to move forward with the 3-4, Wink knows how to do it. Denard knows how to do it. And um, Joe Witt Jr. was a part of it as well, if we're looking to move to 3-4. So Denard Wilson is another guy, highly sought after guy. Jeff Albright. Let me say this about Jeff Albright. If he... He's a defensive coordinator for the Jets in the last three years. I know a lot of people think about their head coach who came from the San Francisco 49ers. But Jeff Albright has been calling the plays and is highly respected. If he had just a decent offense... He probably is getting interviewed for head coaching jobs more. But because the Jets absolutely stink offensively, puts more pressure on the defense, and the defense can't carry that team to the playoffs, all like that, and win all that. No, but they have had a really good defense over the last three years under Albrecht calling the plays. Little background on Albrecht. He was a linebacker's coach for the Falcons for five seasons, and then he was an interim D.C. when they fired Dan Quinn. If you go look at when they fired Dan Quinn and Albrecht became the interim DC, their defense improved drastically. The irony of that, right? Him potentially replacing Dan Quinn here in Dallas. So would he be willing to make a lateral move? That's the problem. Will he would he be willing to make a lateral move? If he was willing to make a lateral move, Cowboys Nation, I'd pick up the phone and 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 this is what I would sell him. Look, I get it. You're not getting an elevation. You're not getting a promotion. However, he did say, Jeff Albrecht, that he has plans or he wants to be a head coach. But what better way to get recognized than coming to Dallas and turning this defense into an elite defense? Because I still never gave them that tag. You had to prove it. I don't think they proved that they were an elite defense. Good defense, but elite, no. 
what better way to come to Dallas, make this defense a formidable one, and and then you'll have a whole bunch, a host of teams obviously paying attention to the Cowboys. You're on primetime seven, eight times a year or whatever. And now you get that opportunity to be a head coach, maybe not year one, maybe year two, whatever, whatever the deal would be. But even if it's a one-year deal, this is your, hey, you're clearly not getting that type of coverage with the Jets. So Jeff Albrecht is another one. And then Leslie Frazier. Look, this is a guy who's been around the league, veteran defensive coordinator. He's been a head coach at one point. Um, everybody knows Leslie. He, he He's more of a 4-3 guy. So if you're not looking to change things up, Jeff and Leslie are, are guys that run a 4-3. And when I say change things up, I mean schematically. Um, more of a zone type of uh, defensive coordinator. And he took a year off. He was with Buffalo for about five seasons or something like that. He took a year off last year, but he he did so with the intentions of returning to coaching in 2024. And before he left Buffalo, they had a top five defense three years in a row. And if you guys remember, you know, one of the things we always talk about Buffalo, that defense. Now, they're a respectable defense again this year. Um, the head coach, Sean McDermott, is back to calling plays. He actually, funny thing is, McDermott was under Leslie Frazier in Philly years ago, and now Frazier was under McDermott the past few years. And um, anybody from, look, McDermott has always been a respectable defensive mind. He comes from the Jim Johnson tree. If you know who Jim Johnson is, go look him up. Uh, but the G- Jim Johnson, Dom Capers, Dick LeBeau, for me, it, you know, when I think defensive coordinators in the 2000s, the late 90s, 2000s, I think of those. Those are the three. You know, if there was a Mount Rushmore. So if you're under a Jim Johnson, you know, you, you see it. McDermott, Leslie Frazier, these guys tend to have some decent success. So those would be just four. I mean, there's a whole lot, man. I, I had an honorable mention, Ben Bloom. Again, anybody that's a sicko like me with the Cowboys. You might be saying, Ben Bloom, that sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, he coached in Dallas for like nine seasons. Um, ben Bloom went on to, I think once, not Dan Quinn, once McCarthy came, he let Ben Bloom go. He then signed with the Browns. And he worked with the Browns defensive line, and the Browns turned into, over the last few years, a formidable defense. Um, granted, Schwartz is over there as well, but you know they went from being a team... In 2019, that was one of the worst run defenses, I think 31st, 32nd, and he took them all the way to the top 10, and they've been, uh, like I said, a respectable defense since. So Ben Bloom, another guy that I was thinking about because he has ties to the Cowboys. Um, He comes from a coaching tree that has had success, and I don't think he would neglect linebackers. He he, he had his hands in some of them here. He he was coaching the Sean Leaves of the world here in Dallas, the Bruce Carters and things like that. So when I look at my defensive coordinator, I'm not looking for a coordinator that's trying to reinvent the wheel. Wink ain't trying to do that. I don't know what Denard, but because he hasn't been a coordinator, but Jeff Albrick ain't trying to do that. If you go look at Albrick, you know, he, he has all pro Pro Bowl linebackers. Quincy Williams under, under Albrick's turns into all pro. They went out and signed Mosley. There's an emphasis on the linebacker position. Leslie Frazier is, look, he's not trying to reinvent the wheel. He's been around this league. He's won a Super Bowl in the 80s. You know, he's not trying to be different. Trying to do what wins. I'm probably making an assumption here. 
um, Joe Witt Jr. So there was that video, and it's always a video. Anytime the Cowboys do something amazing in the box, you'll see Joe Witt sitting down, and you'll see Dan Quinn. You know, and, and I, I love it. I love the energy and things like that. But don't it look like sometimes Joe be like, if you don't sit your ass down, you got the rest of the game to worry about. But Joe just always seems to be a bit perturbed. Right? Like, man, get sit down. It's 27 to seven. Sit your ass down. And and I'm just making things up here in the sense of just 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 looking at his mannerisms. Right? And I just wonder. I don't know anything. I, I, I'm not trying to start nothing. Don't start nothing. Won't be nothing. Joe Witt interviews for that damn job. Dan Quinn gets it. The defensive backs have the greatest success under Dan Quinn. Think about this, y'all. The Cowboys led the league in turnovers, not because they're forcing 50 fumbles, not because they're getting a million sack fumbles. It's because they're getting picks. Joe Whitman getting picks long before Dan Quinn. <laughs> so I wonder if Joe Whitman be like, I don't want to go another interception that they go on. Glaze Dan Quinnabell. Whole time. You want to know why we're getting these picks? Because I've been getting picks before you was coaching, Dan. 2010 first, 2011 first, 2012 seventh, 2014 second, 15 eighth, 16 10th, 19th fifth. In his time in Dallas, 1st, 11th, and 7th. An opponent interception throwing percentage. Well, Sky, Al Harris. Love Al Harris. Al Harris was here in 2020. I, I'm just saying, I don't think that's a coincidence. And if I had to guess, I would imagine Joe would not be doing this cute-ish. And he probably a bit perturbed about it. Um, My gatherings from watching Joe and also from asking people behind the scenes. Joe's a no-nonsense guy. Joe, I'm not not here for all this, I want to be Uncle Joe. Right? And, and I don't think he's really trying to reinvent the wheel. And coming from a 3-4 team that had, you know, deploy linebackers, we got outside linebackers, we got some five techs, we got a nose tackle. We're going to run some some Dom Capers, does some zone blitzes, or do some too high, we'll do some man Like, there, there is a real multiple type of field to, to what he came from. I don't know what he'd run because, you know, he hasn't been a DC, but what he came from. So if it's in-house, and they're, they're like, hey, we're not going to be able to get anybody out. I think that has to be your guy. Obviously, you keep Al Harris around. Let Al Harris continue to build his resume as well. Um, and you and you, and you you run this. I hate to say run it back. But you you run it back, per se, with a guy that's already been here. 
that understands these guys, right? I, I know how Micah plays. I know how Trey plays. I know how Deron plays. I know how, you know, who's going to be here. Malik, Dono, you know, guys that are going to be here. Osa, Mozzie. I'd imagine you bring back Hank. Um, and now then we implement what I want to do. A little bit of a direction of Dom Capers. That's all I'm saying. So I if, if fully talked myself back into Joe. There was a point in time on Vodge so when we asked about Joe based off of the things that I had been hearing about the feelings of Joe. I was like, I don't know if they, when I say they, the players would want that. But at this point, that, you know. Not really here for how you know Uncle Joe. Nor am I here for Sleepy Joe. I'm just saying. <laughs> so 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 Joe Witt for me would be the in-house guy. And outside of that would be I mean, these are just four guys, but Wink Martindale, Denard, Wilson, Jeff Albrick, Leslie Frazier. All right. Take a couple calls. Let me tell you something, DC world, whoever the heck you are, media. Who This guy says, I can talk to him blue as those lockers, the Cowboys front office don't care and will do what they do. You're watching a talk show, a Dallas Cowboys talk show. Yeah, I'm going to talk. You know, I, don't, I don't get you people that do that. You can say whatever you want. They're not going to listen to you. I'm not doing this for them to listen to me. Reggie T trying to get me to pull the do-rag out. I won't do it. I just find things like that comical. You quite literally are watching a talk show saying, insinuating, I should stop talking about what I think they should do. Man, if you don't... Oh my God, bro! Oh, hell yeah. no, man! What the fuck, man? Get your ass on, bro! Get your goddamn ugly ass. Big Cat from New York. What's good, man? What's good, bro? What's good? Listen, I I um I agree that Whit um should be the the heir apparent. He should have been. <laughs> he probably should have been in Dallas already. Should have been the DC at some point in Dallas already, but. My reality is this. We, as an organization, saying we, but there's only a certain tier of coach that's going to coach for Jerry. That, that's part of, part of our understanding since Parcells, because I'm going to say he at least corrected it at some point from Jimmy. He put Parcells in place. Parcells sets your plate. But there's a certain tier of folks going to come to Dallas. And I don't think Ulrich is is that tier. If you're not already in-house with that mind frame, I don't think – I don't necessarily believe that you get a guy that really commands the idea of changing the culture, really, really changing the culture. You have Mike McCarthy who's, again, we, I talked about this with you and Vox a little bit, but you have Mike McCarthy who, who did it once and Dan Quinn who did it once. They're the same guy. 
and haven't been able to get it back, haven't been able to figure it out. With all the tools that they had, they haven't been able to figure it out. Yeah, that, it lends to a certain. So, so the Aubrey thing in any coach, as an assistant, I don't know if they're necessarily looking at at it in that way of, of the Jerry part, right? Because they're they're just an assistant. But I I wholeheartedly agree from a head coaching situation, because now okay. as a head coach, you're supposed to have all the say, and you you don't right. when when you're here. But as an assistant, you can look at this as a as a stepping ladder, right? Like, hey, if I come to Dallas and I do my thing, then I can go be a head coach somewhere else where I do have control. So that that's why I brought up Albrick. And, and then, you know, I found the, I think it was an excerpt where he said, hey, I want to be a head coach at some point. And I'm like, well, what better way to get recognized? Because you ain't getting recognized in the, in, in the Jets, of course. You know, but what better way to get recognized than a team who's likely going to go to the playoffs and you've got the opportunity to to do some some special things? That's the only reason why I said that with Albrick. Yeah, okay. Well, eh, and I guess, like you said, the, the lateral understanding for him, for me, the lateral understanding for him to come from one understanding and then ascend is a, is a different set of thoughts. And like you said, the best, what could be the best possible understanding for you, come come be visual, come come be with the Dallas Cowboys' most visual understanding in, in all of sports. Bro, I again, you're not, with Jerry Jones, there's only going to be a certain tier of quarterback that, or coach, even even coordinator, that's going to come and coach for him. For who? For Jerry. There's and, only and see there's, that's where the disconnect is with me and you. I, from an assistant standpoint, I, I don't think they're viewing it as I'm going to coach for Jerry. They're looking at I'm going to coach for uh, Mike McCarthy. You know. Because that's okay. the that's the if you really look at the history, the one thing that Je- the one unit we know Jerry will just say, "Hey, this is all yours," is defense. Right. Rob Marinelli, right. do your thing. Dan Quinn, do your thing. Not so much offensively. So, it, you know, if if I am a defensive coordinator, I look at the history of defensive coordinators over the last you know decade. I say, well, shit, they they giving me the keys over there. You know, and then whenever I build that up enough, maybe I can flip that into being a head coach somewhere else. So, if we view it as as we're playing for Jerry, it, it may look it may look weird because like, hey, Jerry ain't gonna let you do nothing. But if you view it as I'm going to be a, a defensive coordinator for Mike, where they'll allow me to do my thing, and Mike focuses on offense, it could be an attractive situation. Because think about it again. Now we're talking about Albrecht. It, bro, he's playing with Zach Wilson, and, and I get it. Aaron Rodgers is coming back next year, but. He's had Zach Wilson and Mike White and and whoever the last three years as their quarterback. He probably tired as hell of of having to carry the whole team. So gotcha. it could be a potential. Yeah. It, it could be attract. It is attractive. I'm not gonna say it could be. It's attractive. It's an attractive uh, if if it becomes open. I think. I hear you, I, and I and I gotta agree with you after understanding that idea, you know, or having that settle. But um, I I got you, man. I got you. No, but, but but you're not you're not wrong in the Jerry thing. I mean that that is for a head coach to come here, they do they will have to understand that things are run differently here. And it took Mike, I think, a couple of years to understand that. Yeah, and it and it's still taking him. I I would like to have seen I just be honest, I would like to have seen Mike gone. Same. Start over Jerry, you know, and I understand where Jerry's come. Just like Patrick was saying. I understand both sides of the coin. I, I truly do. I under, I get it, Jerry, in his years, 
not trying to start over. We're going to at least give you your contract. You know what I'm saying? Work you out through your contract. I understand that, not blowing it up. I understand blowing it up because, bruh, look, you that was an absolute monumental debacle. But it was on both sides of the ball. That in, in all five of our losses, you were, you were just pointing it out. In all five of our losses, I've said this since, since the Buffalo game, we have looked the exact same, same on both sides <laughs> of the ball. On both sides of the ball, those guys, tell me, tell me how that is coincidental and then you don't it's it, not. or you don't have an ABC in order to deal with it when it comes up again. Because you know it's going to come up again if a team is capable of doing that. I don't. I, di- I didn't get any. I I didn't understand any of it. I didn't understand the zone. I didn't understand these dudes looking like they had never practiced this understanding all year long. Like practiced it even. You they know, were out of- You know what else was was a common thread in those losses, man? Was where the adjustments? There was the answers. Yeah, that's, that's what we were talking about, bro. Yeah. That's that's what I've been talking about. There was none. And and if there were any, you made them at half, and then they didn't work, and you needed another adjustment. Yeah. It it just didn't go down, and and again that that debacle in itself for me was was like the last was a straw that I had to say, yo, we're gonna set everything on fire, you know, we just we just gonna set it all on fire, we're gonna burn it down, and we're gonna build it back. You know, I don't even think you I, needed to do that. Yeah. You just needed to make a head coaching change. Yeah. And that's what I mean by setting it on fire because you're talking about a system. Yeah. You're still talking about a system thing. And and a and a lot of a lot of our assistants, a handful of them, linebacker and running back to be named the top two fired. Like just sent out into space right now. Put them in a pod and let them go. Oh, the assistants. Yeah, I, I ain't yeah, even get yeah, to yeah. breaking down a, that situation. Yeah, a couple of them cats need to go, bro. And 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 that, I mean, because one 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 things to the other. The line line coach, your 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 offensive line, your running back. They speak to each other. The, those two are married, bro. At what point are they in such and, and that was probably the best part. Let me say this out loud. It didn't look like it, but that was probably the best part of that game, watching that game, was watching the offensive line hold up and then Dak rush, get out of pockets, clean pockets, running running the hell away from clean pockets. I'm trying to figure out what the hell is going on cloud with and, the entire team. Cloud and coverage. But but we went into that game. We weren't worried about their pass rush, and they knew that. And and, and that's something. Nope. If you notice, nope. they didn't even try to do any stunts. They said yep. we're just going to rush yep. four. We're going to drop seven yep. back, and we decided to run a whole bunch of slants into that shit. Yep. <laughs> and and yep. it just did and, not and, work out at all. And decided, and then what it looked like Green Bay ended up doing too. I'll tell you this, and I I mean I could be wrong, but just from the the naked eye watching. It looked like they decided to rush, but contain Dak. Their rushing wasn't to sack Dak. 
they they don't They're sack rough, very dude. well. I mean, they they yeah, they can't yeah, really sack yeah. very well. And if you don't have, and he's done a very good job of stepping up, stepping aside, and scrambling. He's not a. If you're gonna rush to contain him, I mean, that usually that'll get you killed because he's not a runner. Yeah, Dak's not looking to run but at it, all. But that they. But it had it had him, it had him confused. Whatever, I don't think the rush had him confused at all. I, I don't think the rush had him confused. I think the coverage on the back end yeah, was, yeah, yeah. was a yeah. perfect a whole, coverage for everything true. we were decided to try to run. Right. And we had no answer for right. it until the second half where we just was like, right. screw it. And we throw the ball 40 times. Yeah. But I'm thinking, I, I'm saying defense as a whole, I agree with you. The defense as a whole had him confused. That's what I'm talking about. But I, the idea that they just looked that way, you know what I'm saying? Just, you know, man. I think you got to a any, point any cowboy, where you were starting to see Dak and C.D. Lamb not on the same right. page, and it was like, "Now nah, we're going to force this on the same page." Before it was just, right. "Hey, it came natural," and now right. we're trying to force it to C.D. Lamb and C.D. Lamb dropping balls, and now we're instead of looking at yeah. Brandon Cooks, we're going to the second window first. Now it's an interception, pick yeah. six. There was just nothing that came natural and smoothly there, and it wasn't because you were getting rushed. Well, because their offensive, defensive line was doing anything crazy to you. It was absolutely not. It was their coverage, and then it was your plan. You just fed right into it. Yep. I agree, bro. I agree. They they succumbed to the pressure, bro. Anybody, any Cowboys fan that is not still numb from this loss ain't a Cowboys fan. (laughs) You ain't a Cowboys fan. This sucks, Big Banks. Or not Big Banks. Uh, Big Cat. Yo, bro, it's, it's crazy. I appreciate you, dog. Appreciate you. Thank you, man. All right. Let's keep moving with Banks. I said Big Banks because I, I was reading Banks. What's good, Banks? Yeah, what's going on, man? Dang, I first, see you still hurting, too. First time listening. Yeah, man, it's my first time listening to content, man. Anything since Sunday, man. Just trying to process it all, man. Well, but, uh, we did our best you, this week to know, try to compartmentalize ahead. it for y'all. Yeah, yeah, man. And, uh, you know, off that game, off the rip, you know, I'm like, yo, Mike got to go. Mike got to go. We need, we, we need change. We need change. Um, you know, just the last three years, just the, you know, players, just the, the small things, attention to detail, just – Everything, man, the penalties, you know, it all just burst into flames Sunday just after the game, just like, yo, he got to go. But, uh, of course, you know, I'm guessing, you know, his record for the last three years keeping around, which actually before before the game, you know, throughout the year, people said McCarthy on the hot seat, on the hot seat. I'm like, nah, I know he ain't. You know, he's been 12 and 5. But as soon as the game was over, like, he got to go. You know what I mean? <laughs> hey, man, but, look, uh... <laughs> so, so you ain't been here this week, and, and that is the exact same thing I said. I'm like, man, we ain't talking about this. For what? Because, he, you know, Mike's won the playoff game last year. We, we assumed he was going to win yeah. this one. What are we talking about? There's only one way Mike McCarthy gets put on the hot seat, and it's if we get embarrassed. But no one thought that would happen. Right. And we got embarrassed. And I'm with yeah. you. I was like, oh, nah, you can't go out yeah. like this, bro. We, we can't run this yeah. back. Yeah, man, you can't. And then, but, you know, he's here, man. He's here at least for one more year. Um, the only thing I can say, you know, maybe it being a proven year, you know, something, you know, it's going to change. Because he's like, look, y'all not going to get me fired. You know, we got to figure no. this thing out. Y'all not going to get me fired. And that's what I'm hoping. That's the, That's all we can hope for. 
You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, maybe we'll see it. But uh, I'm going to tell you the, the biggest thing, though. It ain't even Mike no more. We here. You know what I'm saying? It is what it is. But um, like we spoke on, the defense, bro, you know, before, even before this game, even before this game, I was hoping Dan Quinn get a coaching job. I mm. did because, me, Dan Quinn yeah. has had his head, head in the tailpipe all, for the last couple of years, especially this year. It, I think it was more noticeable this year than anything because having having just not making that change with Bell and, you know, people ask, you know, why we go get a linebacker, this and that, it's because of Dan Quinn. Because Jerry has those meetings with his coaches and they're like, you know, what we need, such and such. And if if I tell you, you know, we good, you know, at linebacker, hey, we can put Marquise Bell here, it's going to work. You know, he tried it with uh, when we had Keanu Neal converted mm-hmm. to linebacker. We saw how that was. So it's time for He basically did it with – He basically did it with J. Ron Curse too. He basically did yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, and Jerry Curse. Like, you got McQuamu there, and that's the main thing. Yeah, him, and how uh, Curse played. And that's the main thing, like, like, bro, like, why not, why not, try, like, we've seen Izzy in the playoffs. We've seen, like, like you just got to do better, man. Like, get your head out the tail. And, like, you brought up the Joe Witt. You know, first I was like, man, look at him. All the assistants can go, everything, but I didn't think about Joe Whit, man. And Joe be looking stressed in that booth, man. Don't he, bro? Joe be looking <laughs> stressed in that booth. Joe be up there. <laughs> yeah. He be up there grabbing his forehead. I don't care what head. happened. Like, he don't give a damn yeah. if it's a pick. He just be like, man, come on. I'm just waiting for my time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I, I like that idea, man. But we think alike, though, man. Because, guy, I lie to you not. And I say I was going to get up here and say this. My choice for D.C., the first choice outside was Wink. And oh, I said, man, wait. I'm going why the hell you want Wink? Oh, wait. I said, look, man. Reg- <laughs> yes. I said, regardless of what you may think about the Giants as a team, I said, he didn't have much over there. But we need to thank the Giants a little bit because the Giants also helped us as far as winning this division against those Eagles, man. The Giants fought hard towards the end. The Giants, the same team, when Green Bay, when Love started the, the ball out, before the playoffs, they 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 you know what I'm saying they went in there uh when, you know what I'm saying they beat Green Bay towards the end of the season, you know he had his guys fighting man and that's what I like to see if you a coordinator no matter your record if your defense is fighting if your players are fighting towards the end that should be the type of guy you want and another guy I was looking at if he if he had uh they decided to keep him was um Matt Eberflus. If Matt Eberflus, if the Bears had decided they wanted to uh, part ways with Matt Eberflus and let him go, whatever, yeah, I he think was he another returned, guy I was though. looking at as a candidate. Yeah, yeah, he's returning. I'm yeah. just saying if they had decided to, yeah, to make that decision because, you know, they was thinking about it. But if he had become available, um, he's another guy that had his defense. You've seen the Bears' defense towards the end of the season, that second half. Uh, you know, those guys was, those guys was giving uh, fits, man. But, uh, you know, man, I, I hope. I don't know, man. If we keep him right, man, I just feel like they ain't got to go. There's got to be a change somewhere. Somewhere, man. Somebody got to go. Somewhere. If you're going to keep him, you've seen the defense. Sky, you're not telling me if, if yeah, offense started slow and they was playing like they are playing, they had two picks in the first half. But if, de- if, if the defense holds Green Bay, which you thought they would, if they held it down defensively against them, I believe we still could have won that game. We like we could have won that game if defense played their part, 
and we made some adjustments offensively in the second half. We probably could have made it, but they couldn't get no stops. They couldn't generate any stops. Yeah, against Dan Quinn couldn't generate any stops against his old another one of his old coordinators, which is uh Matt Lafleur. Just like yeah. the system, like you said, man, the system. He struggles against he struggles against those guys, man. But uh, that's all I got, man. Hey man, appreciate the call, Banks. Hopefully that was uh some Cowboys therapy. You said we the first, you know, it's the first show you you actually tuned into. So you gotta get it out, man. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, guy. Alright, man. As he was talking there, I was thinking about he, Dan Quinn ain't returned yet, but I feel like I know this is gonna sound mad phony because I just I just did a hot take to saying Dan Quinn would leave because nobody's gonna hire him. Um. Dan Quinn's going to return because nobody's going to hire him, but I want him to get hired. But nonetheless, I got this feeling we're going to have to have the same conversation that we've had with Mike McCarthy. Okay, he's back. What do we have to do to to get better? We're not there yet, but I'll go ahead and tease that. If Dan Quinn returns, we are clearly going to have to take the, the linebacker position more seriously, and that concerns me. We are clearly going to have to go away from this big nickel. I, I don't know what he, why he thinks this is a, this is a thing. Twenty twenty one, it was great. Twenty twenty two, you did run a lot of it, sure, but you actually had linebackers out there. Excuse me. My problem is. If Dan returns, I got a feeling LVE returns. If LVE returns, I got a feeling they'll think they're good. I, I set this thing up for in the offseason. I set it up. I said, they're going to think they're good with LVE. They didn't make a move. In fact, they took away linebackers. So, you know, I, I said... The running game would have to be taken seriously. Bringing one of these young coordinators, I don't really believe that will happen, but I think that's what needs to happen. Defensively, we need to really focus on size at the position. And and, and nowadays, you're not, it doesn't have to be 250 pound line. Like, you don't, I'm not saying it got to be that, but it can't be 205. It can't be 210. It can't be safety converting to line. Like, what? Get linebackers. It's the other thing that I wish they get rid of. Get rid of this damn. Hey, you can decide to do a stunt whenever you want. Forget all that. Strategically draw up those stunts. I'd like to go to a 3-4. I don't think Dan's going to do that. Right? So there's a lot of things I personally would like to see defensively. That I think if you bring Dan Quinn back, you're just not. It feels like status quo will remain the same. Uh, I don't know how many assistants, defense assistants will leave, but they had these linebackers that Scott McCurley, they, they are being coached, man, to do something that I don't think works in the long run. It's being passive at the position. One more time before we get out of here, for those who might have missed this, this was um, Brian Baldinger. Just, just listen, just listen to Baldy, y'all. I mean, and then look. At the linebackers, look at the depth. Something we were talking about. Like, why? The, why are we so far back here? But anyway, there's Brian, former player analyst. Don't listen to me. Don't listen to Koya. Listen to Body. The Cowboys had a long talk with Mike McCarthy. They 
if you believe the reports, it could have been as long as three hours. They went through everything. So I was wondering what in the world their fascination is with Marquise Bell playing linebacker. Like, what is it? Because here comes Rasheed Walker. And this is what they do to middle linebackers that are 205 pounds in this league. Like, you just wash him up. Play after. Why is he there on a goal line? With that back. With that back. One of the elite backs in the league. What do they think Marquise Bell is going to do? Like, how can they think? Like, he's going to get exactly what he is. He's going to get mangled right there. He's not going to stop anybody. He's 205 pounds. Like, how in the world could you look at this and go, this is a good goal line defense. I like this. We'll put Hank on the nose, and we'll let Marquise Bell. <laughs> like, what do you think is going to happen? Of course he's going to score. He's going to score every time he, he gets the ball. Like, now you put J. Ron Curse up there. Here's your inside linebackers. Two safeties playing linebacker. What do you think the Packers are going to do? Like, look at this. Like, they're just washing these guys up. Donovan Wilson's got to make the tackle nine yards down the field. It's just amazing to me that you could stay in this defense with a team that runs the ball as well as the Packers with an elite back. What do you think is going to happen to Marquise right here? It's not his fault. Like, that's not his position. Of course he's going to end up on his belt. You watch these play. Now their their answer is okay. We'll go blitz. Look, look how Mike in the A gap gets here. downhill. But we'll cover and the it right here between the like, other linebackers. Look at that. Like I don't know where he's going. He's not a middle linebacker. He just hops out like, the damn. You're just going to jump out of the hole. Watch the curse. Like all these guys are getting blocked and thumped, and there goes Aaron Rodgers or Aaron Jones. Like I just don't know how you could look at that and look at these pictures and videos and everything you have and go. This is a good defense to get a team that can run the ball as well as they do with the back that has run for more yards in the last month than any back in the National Football League. Yo, how you watch how you watch eleven be so aggressive downhill and blow things up at the line of scrimmage and hell make plays at the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage. Going into a you know, a team that's going to clearly run the ball. Like he said, the back who has the most rushing yards in the last month of the season. And we say you know what the game plan should be? We're going to keep Micah Parsons at defensive end and allow him to get chopped to death by tight ends and, and tackles. McCarthy, or not McCarthy. Dan a little bit of a hypocrite, man. Right, somebody can do it. Somebody probably will do it. Chop up the stuff he was saying, you know, when he got here, you know, and they were asking him, well, are you going to put him at here or there? And he was like, no, the beauty of, you know, what we have with Micah is that teams don't know where he's going to be. So he's a linebacker and sometimes he'll come down and play defense end. Sometimes it'll be here. Sometimes it. We, I think he even brought up, you know, when I was going up against uh, Jason Taylor, I think he brought up the, the Dolphins. I think he did. He's like, the, the thing was with him is you always knew where he was going to be so you can maybe game plan against it and things like that. That's the truth, right? Hence why DEs don't get 100 tackles. But you had evidence that your linebacker slash pass rusher can get you 80, 90 tackles or whatever, play that position against the run very well, get downhill, make plays, and still get you 10-plus sacks. Yet you decide to put him in a box in the most important game, in a game where... How do you take away a guy like that? We'll just do what we did. And Greg Cosell said, you know, they played different. They, they, they went in and played different. Well, I wish they played different with him. I wish they played different with their linebackers. I wish they played different with their run defense. 
playing different on the, on the back end of the coverage is all fine and dandy, but dude, we know what what these McVeighs and McDaniel's and Shanahan's and Lafleur's and Ben Johnson's, all of these uh, Munkin, all of these coordinators, does not matter if they've got the best running offense in the National Football League. They are going to play action you and run action you to death. It's going to happen, man. You came in and said, aha, I know what we'll do. We'll play zone, and we're going to back up our backers six, seven, eight yards off the damn line of scrimmage, and we're going to run fit our safety 20 yards back behind the line of scrimmage. Fireball fence, man. Fireball fence. I gave you all my candidates. There's others out there. I gave you all my in-house. I gave you all my out-house uh, candidates. Out of the house candidates, not out house. We'll see if they if, if what they'll do. It really feels like he'll be back. And boy, um, how many schedule out yet? I mean, it's just, we know who we're playing. How many of these damn McVay, LaFleur, Shanahan tree offenses are we going to see next year? And the, and the crazy thing is, I think it was 2i who brought this up. Shouts out to, to 2i. I mean, I got a ABC, BBD. Even if you're not playing them in a regular season, you're going to run into them. The Packers are an up and coming team. They're going to be in the playoffs. You're going to see the floor again. Um, you might end up getting Bobby Slowick in the NFC. You never know. We'll see. Shanahan, Niners, going to be in the playoffs. We'll see what happens with Ben Johnson. Not saying it is the same, but but Ben does some of these things. McDaniel's is over there, so that's a good thing. The odds of you running into one of them in the playoffs seem pretty high. Uh, Towboat, appreciate you, man. He dropped 10. I kind of chuckled at it when I saw it earlier, Towboat. Super chat. Because I remember he was a hot candidate at one point. He said, what about Chris Richard? I'm going to bring up some flashbacks for y'all. He said, that dude lights fires under people's uh, butts. I feel like there was no longer or there was no leader on that sideline in the playoff game. Fair. Des and Troy would have have been telling people to get it together. You know, the funny thing, and I don't mean to go away from. I don't mean to go away from your point. Chris Richard, I'd say no. Um, There's something there. There has to be something. Chris Richard hasn't been in the league in a number of years, I think. I I don't know what it is. Um, At one point, though, when Rod was here. Him and Chris Richard were fighting over who was going to be what. It was it was it was weird, but I don't know if he's being blackballed. I don't know, uh, but there, there's there's something I guess with Chris Richard. Maybe he needs to work his way back. Maybe come on as DB coach, not here somewhere else, and work his way back in. I don't know, but to bring up the Troy thing on the sideline. Um, one of the most famous videos over the last few years that have been circulating is. Um, Troy on the sidelines, I want to say, was this at the end of, I mean, y'all can help me out here. Was this at the end, or was this Chan Gailey? Was this the Chan Gailey year, or was this the end of the Switzer year? Either way, it was at the end of Switzer, or the beginning of Chan Gailey, one of the two. And... The, the famous video, I wish I had it, is Troy on the sideline going berserk. Absolutely going off. 
pissed off and he's and he's venting to like one of the assistants and one of the things he says so it was the end of switzer so one of the things he says and paraphrasing here is why the fuck am i doing this he didn't even want to do that this ain't me i gotta be the one i feel like i'm babysitting these dudes where the hell is the coach see troy didn't have to do that in the 90s right during that run mind you that was a year the cowboys went on if it was 98 right that lost to the cardinals in the playoffs so we weren't even a good team then i remember that game too losing to the damn the cardinals was the was the the bottom feeders of the east at the time and they lost to Aeneas Williams, I think, had like a pick six or something crazy. It was just embarrassing. But Troy was pissed because why the f- am I doing this? Where are my coaches? And, and, and it was, a, I think Troy went on to explain how it was a buildup for the whole year. Throughout the week, it was just, you know, if you, if you really you understand what happened with Switzer towards the end, Switzer was just kicking his feet up. He was just happy to be there. We had this conversation beginning of the season. We were talking about successful Cowboys coaches, and I didn't rank Switzer as high because I I, I don't think I think he they won in spite of, of Barry. He was along for the ride, according to a lot of those that played there. And um, when things got it got time to actually coach, Barry won coaching, and Troy had to step up. So you know, just seeing that, seeing you bring up Troy reminds me of that video, and. Um, yeah, there was there was there was none of that on that sideline. And you know, uh, McCarthy came out and said they asked him, "Well, what were you talking to C.D. Lamb about?" And he was like, "You know, route whether to go deep or not, an option route or something like that." And I wish he would have said it was something else. We soaking on the sideline because we wanted to run a different route. I would have much rather. McCarthy came back and said, hey, man, CeeDee Lamb was just pissed how the game got started. But, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, Tobo, we, 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 we need some of that fire game day. Like, not, I'm not expecting everybody to, to be that. Dan is up in the booth. I know, I, I know Al Harris tries his best and whatnot, but when everybody just seems to be displaced, Something didn't go right in preparation. Something didn't go right. With that said, it is Friday. I'll be back next week. For those who may have not noticed, those who may have not been uh, there on Tuesday's show for Vach, no show next week. Taking uh, a break there, and then we're returning, and it's it's full-on draft season on Vach Lombardi Live. For here, A to Z Sports Skywalker Show, we will be turning our page to off-season talk. Coaching things will probably still be talked about in the sense of what happens with Dan. We didn't get that answer to the end of the week. Maybe we will this weekend. Uh, but we're going to now start to review uh, the players, review free agency, um, and start to head into our off-season work, man. Uh, so, so y'all stick around for that. Eventually, we'll get to our senior bowl stuff, draft stuff with foots. We do it every year, and we're going to add on to that. I think, supposed to do 2i, you know, 
Eye in the Sky with Two Eye. Maybe we'll, we we will do that for draft season. I'll talk to her about that since she is a part of the the one of the best some of the best draft coverage on dot com the the draft show. Uh, so we'll get her on here. She's just as plugged as you know Foots and watching those guys and studying these dudes. And I always say I lean on my compadres when it comes to this. Point me in the right direction. That way I can go ahead and watch what I need to watch and then have my own opinion on said players. But uh, I, I lean on those guys for sure in the community to appoint me there. So it's kind of just a soft launch of what we're going to be doing throughout this offseason, Cowboys Nation. It's been a fantastic 2023 season. Did not end like we wanted it to end. But like I tell you all the time, man, win, lose, or draw, I'm here for it all. I love this team, even though they may torture you. I, what I love, though, most, though, is is talking about diving into dissecting the ins and outs the context the nuances the small things about this this game i love and then this team i love within that game and doing it with y'all so i ain't going nowhere i don't give a damn they go 0 17 guess what we're going going to be doing trying to figure it out and i love doing that so um i always try to bring that out in, in how i present myself and, and and present this whole thing production wise and research-wise and things like that. So I'm going to be here. I do understand that everybody will be, and I appreciate y'all for those who did rock with us through the season. I get it. Not everybody wants to hear about the six-round linebacker or about the third-string center or about the backup guard or about the third safety. I get that 100%. We need y'all too. But for those who will be here during it, buckle up. Buckle up. Regardless of what they did to us, we're going to make sure this is an enjoyable off-season content-wise. So y'all stick around, all right? With that said, push the goddamn button. Push the goddamn button. It's the truth. We out of here. Y'all be safe this weekend. Um, don't do nothing I wouldn't do. Shouts out to y'all. Y'all already dropping some some names in the draft. I promise y'all we'll get there. And what I usually do is I jot down these names. And I lean on y'all, too. I get some names from y'all, too. So we all in this thing together, man. Love y'all. Be out of here.